Hello and welcome to YHTV's Trinity of Life. This is episode 22. I'm Christina Suzuma, your host of this program. Thank you so much for joining me as I continue to explore the wonderful world of healing arts, meditation, therapies, and many other modalities of helping us find balance in our individual journeys. We're always excited to meet those who are on the leading edge of creating this change on the planet and those who will inspire others to make life changes. Today, I have the honor of welcoming to our show a very dear friend, mentor, and a faculty of Yoga Hub's first annual Virtual World Yoga and Meditation Conference way back in 2010. Recently, she's had a very exciting event. She launched her first book, which I saw her take years to write. So it really has compelled us to bring her on the show so that she can share her story in life and her story of My Name is Maha Ka. Thank you. And we welcome Jikun Kathy Sanki. Thank you so much, Christina, for that amazing uh, introduction. I hope that I can live up to uh, all that you spoke about myself and my work and my service to the world. So I'm happy to be here. Thanks so much. Thank you. We always love having you here. <laughs> <laughs> and I love being here. So thank you so much. Yes, I did uh, write this book. My name is Mahata. And it was actually published a year ago in August of 2011. So it will almost be uh, a whole year since uh, it came out. It was self-published. And I was inspired to write this book uh, based on my maternal grandmother, whose name was Mahata. Uh, the reason being uh, that she received this name, and we don't know how she received this name, because nobody on the island of Okinawa actually has this name. And her parents, yeah, her parents uh, died, they they perished when she was uh, very young, and she was raised by an older brother. So that same uh, factual information runs through this book, although it is a uh, a novel, it is a a book of fiction. I have woven uh, historical facts through it. She was known by family members as a very wise woman. Mm -hmm. So it was just she was just a perfect character to place as, in my book. Mm -hmm. uh, who receives um, she receives in my book teachings from an old monk, for example, learning uh, meditation, uh, which leads the meditation ultimately leads to uh, information on Taoist alchemy. Mm. So that uh, he, the monk does appear to teach her. She's also taught by three uh, main matriarchs of our culture. Mm. It is a matriarchal culture, and so she is taught uh, by a soothsayer who is known as Utah in our uh, culture. She is taught by a healer known as the Yabu. So this is where my own knowledge of Chinese medicine and healing come through. Uh, it comes through that particular character, the Yabu, the healer, mm. where she learns uh, various things. And then um, she's also she also encounters a Noro, 
who is a high priestess. And um, the high priestess historically would actually uh, guide the king. He, she would whisper into the ear of the king um, whatever she was able to um, uh, learn about. She was connected to divine source, you could say. And so she was able to guide the king in making decisions and so on. And peace reigned throughout the archipelago. That's my, that's sort of a, an interesting theme also uh, in my book is the idea of peace, how uh, we can move towards peace, how the people can gather together uh, to, to bring about peace on the planet. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Uh, so, through your experiences in life, you've gathered all of that and brought it into your book. That's right. Yes. My background of uh, Chinese medicine, I've been practicing for since 1985, actually, so mm-hmm. quite a while. Um, my Tai Chi practice also, I studied with Master Kai Ying Dung of Los Angeles uh, for 20 years. So um, I bring martial arts in, the information of martial arts. The interesting, I think what I find the most interesting aspects of of uh, the internal art form of Tai Chi uh, through the old monk. The old monk doesn't uh, only teach her meditation, but he teaches her meditation through movement, which mm. is what Tai Chi Chuan is. Um, and the... Uh, yeah, the soothsayer is quite interesting, too. When I made a trip back to uh, Okinawa, I wanted to uh, interview um, a Noto high priestess, and it ended up that I went to this tiny island called Kudaka Island, which is just off the southeastern coast of Okinawa, where I met one of the um, last remaining uh, Noto high priestesses, actually. Wow. And that, that, yeah, that island, Kudaka Island is, is uh, literally means Island of the Gods. And it was through Kudaka that the first Noro high priestess was said to have come. Mm. So um, that was also quite fascinating. So she, I believe that she gave me information that you can't even find in anthropological works. Oh, uh, you know, anthropologists have come to study the high priestess and, and their work. And, uh, I've done my own research on the uh, the Noto High Priestess, and nowhere in the, that research uh, mm-hmm. have I found information, direct information that I got from her. So I mm-hmm. feel like I've gotten some interesting, very privy information that I'm also able to share with the reader. Well, well don't you find with uh, a lot of the cultures, it doesn't matter whether it be Asian or European, um, depending on who's doing the asking and depending on the connection that they feel is when you actually begin to get pieces of the inner workings of, of what it was. Yes, it's true. Right? Yes, and yes. She's... I've been very, very lucky to, to be able to collect uh, all of this information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you spent, you actually went and spent some time on the island and what what does it take for these people to become a high priestess, for example? Right, and right. That's a, why that's is a, there only one remaining? I don't know that there's only one remaining. Hmm. It just so happened that uh, I was fortunate enough to meet one of them, let's just say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I said, you know, it, it is a, a kind of divine connection 
that a woman has and how a woman comes into um, becoming a high priestess is that she receives what's called shirashi, and that means it, it's kind of a notification mm-hmm. to serve. Uh, and the woman will receive this notification quite late in life. So it's not as if uh, the high priestess is some sort of lineage through families. It's not passed down from grandmother to mother to the daughter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a woman must receive notification, and she somehow intuitively knows that she is, that's her calling. Now, the notification is generally, in the culture, it's believed that the notification is very something a very bizarre occurrence. Mm. Uh, sometimes women become very ill, for example, uh, but or feels that she's losing her mind or something like that that happens. Now, in my case, um, coming into acupuncture healing, I also received shirashi. Uh, I was working at UCLA doing um, uh, sort of administrative work uh, in an office. And as I was driving into work one day, uh, I came to a stop sign outside of Westwood and, um, uh, you know, off of UCLA campus. And it was like, Christina, it was like a baseball bat to the head. Wow. Uh, I, I, you know, I knew that I was going to be an acupuncturist. At it, that moment? At that moment. Yeah, no questions. No if, wow. ands, or should I consider it. And um, I got very excited. I, I, you know, realized that that was my calling. And it was not until the first semester of acupuncture school, because I began right away. I began almost days after that. Uh, But uh, it was in the first semester where a history and terminology instructor um, required a paper of us. And so uh, he said, you could write on anything that has to do with healing. So that's when I decided that I would research the healers of my own culture. Mm. And that's where I found the information about the notification, about the shirashi. Mm. And I just had goosebumps from head to toe (laughs) because I realized that I had received uh, exactly that. So that's the story. (laughs) So so the shirashi, you know, you hear of people, not just in the healing arts, but in other uh, modalities or other paths in life where suddenly they could be going for a walk or suddenly waking up in the morning, anything that suddenly they, they feel this urge and this yes. vision, so to say, if they would like to call it a vision yes, of something they never expected in their life. And it felt mm-hmm. right. Yes. So, so it's, it, I mean, the Shirashi is a calling basically that aligns yes. the person right at that moment. Yes. And I think, you know, how is it? Why did that happen to me? Mm-hmm. You know, at that moment, it was so powerful, a shift, uh, a knowing. I've never known a knowing, quote unquote, like that prior to this event or after. I've never had anything that powerful and that strong, mm. you know, where it was for me, it was an about face in my career and my life at that moment. Just an about face and a straight, it's a straight line, uh, from that moment until now. Mm-hmm. Oh, how yeah. interesting. It's but fantastic. I would, I would say this to others that if they feel this sort of strong calling, that they should not hesitate. I think you almost can't help 
help it. You know, you, 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 you know, you, you can't hesitate. I mean, it's so strong and so powerful mm-hmm. that you're just going to go, go with it. Hopefully. Right. Right, yeah. Right, right, right. Just well, some people it. second guess, some people second guess themselves and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we ought not do that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so from an administrator in an office, you turn yes. completely around and you, Go right into your acupuncture studies. <laughs> and That's had correct. you had you started your Tai Chi by that point? Yes, I had. And I think that that may have been the portal because mm-hmm. I was maybe three years, three, I think, yes, three years probably into the Tai Chi practice. And um, I'm going to guess that uh, the... The important point here, as I look back, just this retrospective view of how uh, my psyche could have been open to receive that, mm-hmm. is that the meditation that level of that I achieved through the Tai Chi uh, probably had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, this mm-hmm. quieting the mind and stilling the mind, so that we can hear our own voice. Most of the time, we're so distracted, we're so busy. And um, our eyes are darting about and we have so much to do uh, mm-hmm. that that voice can be so subtle that we don't hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and I think that, you know, by training ourselves uh, through the various meditative techniques and processes, we can begin to quiet ourselves to that place that we're going to be able to hear ourselves. I know that what I said to you is that it was like a baseball bat to the head that's true <laughs> that that's a loud call yeah. that's true that's true but how do we open ourselves to receive that mm-hmm. you know i think we do have to prior to that do some training to quiet the mind and of course that's where my zen training comes in and i offer um uh, the instruction on how to clear the mind mm-hmm. through uh the one drop zendo that of Los Angeles that I run on Saturday mornings. Yes, which is so lovely because that's that's where um, I was able to to um, experience the Zen meditation was with you, right. which is magnificent. It was such a wonderful experience, that, you know, to be in a group of people that are just being still at the same time. You could feel that energetic. Yes. Wall just expand. <laughs> yes, yes, it's true, it's true. And it is. That's the focal point of um a group coming together mm-hmm. in one mind to let go of everything mm-hmm. and to completely clear the mind. That's the emphasis of that sitting. It's a very active kind of meditation in the sense that we don't um how can I say it's Sometimes when we're letting go of our thoughts and our feelings and so on, we can drift into a very dreamy sort of state. And this meditation requires a, a certain crispness of your attention, uh, a focus and, and a concentration. Uh, so it is different from just a very relaxed and, and sort of drifting uh, kind of meditation. It is different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, very it's very powerful. So. 
very, very powerful. Yeah, oh yes. You know, <laughs> that was my doorway. <laughs> yes, that's great. Yes, of course. And, and it's very interesting because um, when you speak about, you know, the Tai Chi and the form of meditation in Tai Chi, which, uh, you know, if a person's really active, like I was extremely active and almost yes. to a point where you could say hyper because I always needed to keep busy. I always had to do something. I mean, I hated sitting still. I hated, you know, it, was, it just didn't fit, yes. you see. And even something like Tai Chi didn't quite fit. But for whatever reason and that timing in life where the Zen meditation and sitting in that group setting yes. and really focusing, those hours were spectacular. Right, right. Well, you know, that brings me to this sort of thought, too, that I, too, am very much like you, as you know, Christina. We're very similar in that. I also can be very high-strung and hyperactive and want to be involved in so much, you know, and it's interesting how our who knows what it is it's it's our own guidance that we receive sometimes we we it's counterintuitive we move in a direction that really isn't what we think we are if you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. i'm also um uh, somebody that likes to keep things pretty fast paced and so for me to actually place myself in a situation where i'm cutting all of that yeah. and becoming still it's not something that um I, I naturally do, you know, and mm -hmm. yet I've made myself do it or I've, I don't know, doors have opened and I've gone in, you mm -hmm. know, I've walked mm -hmm. in to, uh, to challenge myself in that kind of way. And, um, yeah, I would, I would say that, you know, that's what most of us, I think need to do. We run away from doing these things that our, our mm -hmm. spiritual guides may come and offer us. You know, that if we, I think if we're present and we're interconnected, you know, which is a phrase that you used earlier, um, you know, we'll try it. You know, we'll come in and, and we'll try it. And you never know where that path will lead. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe it'll lead to writing the book. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that I think, you know, that's, that I think is inside of many of us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's this book too. I couldn't write it. Prior to this time, I had to sort of allow my experiences to come so that I would know more in order to be able to produce this book. Yes, yes. And it's, uh, it's really wonderful, the, the human journey and what, how we, what paths we choose to take, isn't it? Where yes. I've heard people say to me, you do what? You meditate? <laughs> it's like, yes, yeah. because if I don't meditate, I would not be able to move at this pace. <laughs> you know? There you go. Right? It's really the fuel sure. injection. I call it my fuel injection where you're still and the energies get grounded. Yes. And the clarity comes in so that yes. you can continue moving at the pace that we move and experience all the things we want to experience. Yes, I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, we're able to do more by doing less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does work. It does work that way. You know, and I think this is what it is. I think when we clear our minds, we're 100% available to every moment. Certainly, this is not my own original idea. Other great uh, masters have said it, that when we're completely clear, we're 100% available to the moment. But when we're cluttered, our minds are murky, 
I mean, how, and we're worried about what I did last week and what I'm going to be doing next week and what's in store for me and all the gazillion projects that I have. How much attention can we give to this moment? Mm-hmm. So when we're, because really the moment is all that's really factual. It's the only thing that's actually happening. And when we can give 100% to it, you know, then uh, we're, the, we're the most efficacious mm-hmm. in whatever mm-hmm. it is that we're doing. That's why we can do more, actually. Mm-hmm. We can do more because we're 100% here doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we're only able to do so much less if we're not here, if we're not present, if our attention is so divided, yes. you know. So, yes, what you say is true. It's, it's amazing. It's like when we talk about, when I hear you talk about the clutter, Kathy, it's, it's so funny because the last few weeks, all I've been doing is clearing, just clearing clutter, you know, yeah. from, from people, you know, people, mentors who have stayed with me in my home to, you know, caring for a, a sick and dying uncle and all his things. And you know, the clutter, everybody's clutter has built up in my home. And yes. it was like, I need to clear this clutter. And it's, it's almost, and when I'm clearing it, it's almost a form of meditation because it feels so good to be yes. still and focused and in the moment of filing things in their proper place, of just putting things in a bin that is to go somewhere else. You know, it's, it's such a beautiful place to be. We you are know. on the same wavelength as usual. <laughs> we haven't salsa yet. We have to salsa together. Is, <laughs> so this is exactly it. I think that's what I'm doing now in this huge it's a huge huge task of clearing all unwanted debris out of my house. Oh, exactly. Wonderful. We we are we really on the same wavelength. Are. That yeah. is amazing. Yeah. I, because I think as above, so below. As mm-hmm. outside, so inside, right? If you want to know what's going on inside of you, just look around you. And if you look around you and see nothing but clutter, then that clutters our, you know, interior as well. And we can work on clearing our interior from the outside, mm-hmm. you know, from the outside working in, from the inside working out. And so there's this balance of internal and external environments, you know, by clearing both. Mm-hmm. So um, that's exactly right. Yes, I think when you come into a, um, and that's why I think Zen is popular in this kind of way also, and it could be useful in this world of ours of of uh, so much information and so much going yes. on, is to enter a very peaceful and serene environment. And that already begins to still and to slow down, you know, what's happening in our own interior. Mm-hmm. It's important. That's the way in which we become 100% present. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. cannot be otherwise. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yes, and it's interesting how when people speak about meditation, um, many I hear say, you know, oh, I can't do that. I can't sit for more than five minutes or three minutes. And yet, I, I remember myself saying that. And now, actually, uh, having experienced different forms of meditation, like through yoga, through your practice of Zen meditation, and now through the Himalayan form of meditation, 
um, just experiencing all these forms. It's very, very interesting, Kathy, where at different moments or times in my life, it's like when I am having my acupuncture, I sit up straight and I'm in an hour of meditation, which is so brilliant with all these needles in me. It's just yes. magnificent, you know, and yes. experiencing all these forms and modalities of meditation makes it so that, you know, um, the, the one thing that all, it always brings me back to is when we were in the Zendo and we all walked, we got up and we walked in that circle around yes. that Zendo, feeling every, uh, every surface under our feet and being so aware of that. Yes. That in itself, that one piece keeps coming up for me over and over again. When I'm walking every morning, when I'm clearing everything, you know, it is not, you know, there, there is such a um, mm, uh, 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 can I say perspective of what meditation is that people assume that you yes. have to sit and be still and that's, you know, and they go, I can't do that. I go, well, what do you love to do? And like my sister loves to bake. And she works hours and hours. And I say, you know, your baking is your meditation. She wakes up at 4.30 in the morning to, to prepare everything, to put it in the oven. Then she goes to do her workout. But that whole process, I told her one day, that is your meditation. I yes. watch her. She's calm. She's still. She's in that present moment. And all the clutter and work of the day is gone. I think you're right. I think it is the absorption. It's the sort of absorption in the moment, whatever it is that we're doing. So meditation, what is it? It is not the posture. It is not about having to have the body in a particular position or place. It is the state of our mind. And so I think what you're describing is a kind of mindfulness. It is a, a state of mind. And unless we can take the state of mind that we cultivate on our cushions in a in a very you know still physical position and if we cannot take that state of mind that we're cultivating on that cushion into the world then it's all meaning meaningless mm. it's completely meaningless mm -hmm. so uh that's exactly right we're not doing it just to how can i say have some high state of mind while we're on the cushion and then we go back to our very um, sort of murky, uh, cluttered lives. That, that's not the point. You know, the point is to, to develop and to cultivate ourselves. But I wanted to bring in another point, too, because I think your point of mindfulness is, um, is right on. It, it, it's, it's important. Uh, there's something that I have found through this clear mind meditation and uh, – Vipassana meditation is also quite similar to Zen uh, in the sense that when we can sit for long hours, uh, there's something that happens. It's, it's difficult to do. We begin to access our pain uh, because by sitting still, and if you've never done it before and you're a beginning meditator, <laughs> it's painful. Let's face it. It's a lot of physical pain that comes. And I think for some people, it's also emotional pain that may arise. Mm -hmm. You know, things that they've been able to sort of sweep under the carpet. Suddenly, 
by sitting still, um, these things bubble up. And it's you can't ignore it because you're not engaged in conversation. You're not engaged in any kind of action or activity or anything. And you're sitting there and suddenly uh, there's nothing you can do to stop these things from, from coming. The physical pain is very real, you know, and the emotional pain and, and blockages can also come. So I guess the point I'm getting to is that there is a cleansing and clearing of our emotional life, our psychological lives, mm. you know, also. That's really huge. So as we're letting go of these psychic blocks that are trapped in this body-mind, which is really the gift that comes mm. at the other end of all that physical suffering that we do with extended and prolonged uh, sitting, mm -hmm. which is why... Uh, the uh, Zen meditation retreats are, yes, they're seven days long. And, um, and yes, we sit, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. And people hear that and they, you know, freak out. Uh, <laughs> what, do you mean? what do you mean your sit is, you mean continuously? And of course, no, there are breaks and so on. But it is uh, sitting for long periods of time. And it's kind of our medicine it's mm -hmm. a kind of therapy if you will mm -hmm. in the sense that we sit and we must sit still we must sit without moving ultimately even though it's painful and even though you want to get up and stretch you know you you sort of command yourself to sit this is a way in which we begin to master our life as well mm -hmm. but we're also healing ourselves in that process mm -hmm. because it's quite mm -hmm. natural to stand up and just stop doing what's hurting us right. uh but um but these pains um are huge blocks i can assure you and you know vipassana uh identifies these uh these pains as um, sankharas. They call them sankharas. And these sankharas are psychic blockages that we have. And it is possible for these huge uh, uh, blocks to simply rise to the surface and they are eradicated. That was one of the Buddha's first teachings. Mm -hmm. So, yes, mindfulness is a wonderful thing. And I think that we can practice mindfulness and awareness and being present. But if we're interested in letting go of those blocks, those huge concrete blocks that reside inside of our body-mind, mm -hmm. this is a way in which that we can do it. Mm -hmm. So mm. that's huge piece of meditation yeah i mean well well put kathy thank you so much i i think that's that's very it it, it adds another level for people to understand yes um, i mean why why do we do it you know why why do people sit like that and they find it torturous and why are they doing that well you know you 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 don't know until you actually sit down and move through it to mm -hmm. move through our own pain i think the ability to move through our own pain is a way in which our energy then begins to really circulate through those meridians in our own bodies that we're able to actually extend that love and radiate mm -hmm. that healing yes. love that we are actually experiencing ourselves mm -hmm. into the world. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the learning that endurance 
is very powerful because there's so much, as you say, we, we get a little scrape and people are already, ah, you know. Yeah. Yes. So after a while, you things, it's all relative, isn't it? It's relative yes. to what we experience. And, yeah. and it really, as you say, it forces us, you know, yes, you get up sometimes and your legs are asleep. <laughs> it's yes. asleep. And, and yes, it's, it's like after a while, you sort of shake it off and go, it's okay. Been there, done that. So why is this any worse or, you know, it, it, it just is. You just keep moving through it. I think, well, I think from the time we're born, it's quite natural to mm. move away from our discomfort. We want to move towards pleasure and move away from discomfort. That's sort of a natural thing. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting thing to face our discomfort and to be with our discomfort. What happens then? Mm -hmm. It's kind of an interesting question for us. And um, from my own experience... Uh, I do believe that our own healing, our own self-healing, and as you know uh, yourself, our own self-healing is so uh, critical uh, in our ability to actually heal others. Mm -hmm. Oh, we absolutely. We have, have to start here with the self. It's a way of mastering the self as well because our ego that's been in charge since day one, <laughs> moving towards pleasure only, you know, always moving away towards our discomfort, uh, away from our discomfort, uh, is is our own ego, and to master that, because I think ultimately, 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 you know, we're going to face our own death, we're going to face our own dying, and how do we Absolutely. do that? Our ego, our ego is going to resist, uh, in in most cases, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and um, when we do this level of training. Uh, it's a way in which we can be with that ego uh, because it never dies. That's this ego never dies. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, we can't get rid of it that easily. No, <laughs> but, but, ho but hopefully, you know, it can be managed to some degree. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an important gift we can give to ourselves in this life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, I agree. That's that's lovely. Um, Kathy, would you say that that? Your journey in your life so far, like with your Tai Chi, with your uh, meditation, has actually brought you to writing this book to share with others and, and to actually inspire others. Yes. Uh, hopefully it's an inspiration to others. Um, and of course, the disciplines that I've uh, studied and practiced and so on, uh, come through the characters. I don't think there's any one of us that can write anything that doesn't have a piece of us in there. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, um, yes, I think I'm sprinkled in there through probably all the characters. <laughs> all the characters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's hard to, and so, you know, it's written in first person as if I am speaking, uh, and I am speaking through the voice of Mahata. So, uh, yeah, I hope that, you know, certainly uh, there are people there who will, you know, uh, obtain this book and, and read it and be inspired by it. I've gotten wonderful feedback from the people who have read it uh, mm. cover to cover. Mm. So, um, yeah, I hope I hope that people will take advantage of, of the gift that is given here. And I certainly don't want to be, although I'm the author of this work, to say that it really comes from me uh, would be... Um, only half the truth, because uh, I do feel that it was inspired by spirit. I think there is spirit 
speaking through it uh, in the sense that each one of us uh, carries memories in our cells of all who have come before us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we are a, a resonance of our parents, our parents' parents, and so on. We can just simply go back in time and we carry uh, everything that they've ever known. Mm -hmm. And I think we can access that through uh, meditation and dreams and so on, as you well know, uh, Christina. So mm -hmm. I believe that this book was written by um, all the ancestors. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and not just my ancestors, you know, but I think everybody's ancestors because I think we're all always teaching and learning from each other all the time. We're giving and receiving constantly, not just from an intellectual level, but, um, uh, you know, from a vibrational level, Absolutely. as you know. Yeah. So um, what am I? I mean, I'm, I'm sort of an accumulation of all, you know, my entire history uh, and an ancestral history and all of my teachers and their ancestral histories. Can you imagine? I mean, we are all one. Here it is. Yeah. <laughs> How we're Here, all one. Right, right, right <laughs> in already, this book. Already, <laughs> Here. I'm, already, I'm already telling you things that you already know. I mean, even in the book. I think that, you know, when, you, when we come across truths, that's what happens. We sort of have our own little aha moments mm -hmm. uh, because we already know. Mm -hmm. How can well, we not? You know? I, I think, yes, we already know. Most of us do. It's just about whether or not we want to acknowledge it. Yes. You see, and, and this is, again, it's about creating that awareness that, that just acknowledge the first thing as the first step and then start to move to the next one and the next one. Um, because as we know, sometimes those are like that baseball bat, Kathy, they're, they're walloping. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We have to be thankful for those little jolts. <laughs> life, Baseball bats know. aren't little. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's an interesting image. I don't know where I plucked that, but um, well, it, but, it surely... uh, because it was so it was so huge and it was just yes. so monumental. Uh, you know, uh, so and colossal in oh, my life. Yes, uh, I mean, so... I have been I have been in the right place at the right time to have been hit by two baseballs in my life, putting me into wow. two different concussions. <gasps> so when you said baseball bat, I was like, wow, that's really walloping. <laughs> Thank goodness it wasn't literal. I know. I was like, wow, uh, you know, really it put perspective into place. Like, wow. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So do you do you feel like there is a, another book that might be surfacing in the future? or Absolutely. Or, Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, it's been, as I said to you, almost a year since that first book was published. And I, you know, it was my friends and also it was coming from myself, too, you know, that I should just sit down and begin to write mm -hmm. another book, you know, whether it's a sequel or it's a prequel. And I could not find any inspiration mm. for this entire year until very recently um, when I started taking a screenwriting class. Mm -hmm. And it was from there and the assignments that I think led me to this sudden inspiration for both the sequel and the prequel at wow. exact time. So both are being writ written, actually, 
at the same time. Fabulous. And this is screen. Oh my gosh, this is screenwriting. (laughs) (laughs) This may not be a novel this next time. It might be a screenplay. It could be. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, so, would be beautiful. Uh, both both, both inspirations have come. And um, I've done, I think, the teaching that I want to do through this Mahata project. You know, mm-hmm. my name is Mahata, that project. And the prequel and sequel, I think, now can be adventurous and really fun. Not to say that Mahata is not a fun book. It is a fun book. It there is, is adventure yes. woven through it. Yeah, Absolutely. But um, but prequel and sequel, I'm not sure. I think it, they'll both they'll, they'll, both those works will have lives of their own, and yes. I cannot even predict what kind of inspiration will come uh, from spirit and from ancestors and from everybody around me, mm-hmm. because that's what will I think. Uh, I think I'm hoping that the works will bring what we need now, whatever it is that we need mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. hear and to heal. That's my prayer. Mm-hmm. That that's what will come. Well, keep keep clearing the house. Yeah. <laughs> right. And the rest will come. <laughs> I think so. I think so. That's yeah. true. Yeah. It's through the oh, through the clarity, through the clear mind that the inspiration comes. And and do do you feel like you have to you'll be traveling to do a little to do more interviewing and and research uh, for the prequel and the sequel? It's possible. It's possible. Yes, it's possible. But yeah, I haven't entered into that phase yet. Uh, right now, it's just really looking at an outline. I didn't do an outline for Mahata. She just sort of came. That's uh, and I, I didn't know what would be around the corner. With the prequel and sequel, it's, that's why I say it's a little different mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. sense that I'm actually developing an outline. I already have the outline for the prequel and a sketch sketchier outline for the sequel uh but it has i'll tell you i'll tell you this one thing is that the prequel and sequel and and this particular book this book is actually part two of a trilogy so uh and i don't know whether this has ever been attempted or done before but what's interesting about my this trilogy that i'm working on is that it is the same character the protagonist who who moves through different incarnations hmm. in different countries but it's it's the same person it's the same spirit but she appears in an entirely different form oh. in the on the sequel <laughs> ah that's going to be fun yes. um and uh and are you writing this in a screenplay format at this moment, uh, I'm working with someone mm-hmm. uh, to to do that, but I'm really, really writing two other novels. That's that's my intention. Mm-hmm. So well, you might as well have both at the same time. It's ha- it's possible. Yeah, it's all yeah. possible. Yeah, I mean, especially if they're moving into different places and becoming different people. Oh my gosh, that would be a wonderful journey. Right, right. And I'm so looking many forward- people. It's back to the the thing is like is like if you're if you're raising awareness with something you almost have to do it in all the different forms that that people are ab- actually able to take in whether it be audio or visual or um, you know whatever else in, right, enticing right. the senses in some way right I mean everyone yes, can right. learn differently so yes yes yeah so the audio book idea is also in the offing 
Uh, I'm not scrambling to do it, but uh, people have requested it, that this Mata book actually can be placed as an audio book. So that's another project. Yes. (laughs) I'll get to that when I have would time. be fun. That would be a fun topic. <laughs> yes. So, Kathy, thank you so much. Now, um, is there anything further that you'd like to share with our audience um, about your practice, about your Zen meditation, about your book? I think we've pretty much covered all those bases. I think you did a very thorough job. It was a thank you so much for this interview, Christina, because I think you plucked uh, the essentials. The essentials. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Well, I except do. that we we didn't we didn't announce to everyone that you are a, still a practicing acupuncturist. That's here correct. In Los Angeles, and yes. you do head the One Drop Zendo of Los Angeles. Yes, that's right. Is, I think they, uh, they're connected in Japan as well as in Washington State, right? Yes. Uh, the main the major uh, spaceship. <laughs> It's, uh, it, the mothership uh, is uh, Sogenji Monastery in Okayama, Japan. Uh, that's where Shodo Harada Roshi, Zen master uh, and abbot of Sogenji, uh, resides, mm-hmm. where he holds seshins on a month, uh, monthly basis. Sometimes those seshins, which means retreat, uh, sometimes a seshin will occur in another monastery somewhere in the world. So... We have that monastery at Sogenji. We have a monastery uh, in Dosan in India. We mm. have a monastery uh, in Germany mm. and another monastery in uh, on Whidbey Island in the Seattle area. And then from there we have these satellite groups around the world. Uh, and uh, I run the One Drop Zendo of Los Angeles. So we are the only One Drop in California. Mm. And um, it's right here, as you know, in our backyard, Christina. Yes, it's a beautiful <laughs> space, beautiful yes. space that, that I would encourage everyone to go to. And, right. of course, your acupuncture is wonderful. And uh, just to mention to everybody, uh, um, Kathy Sanki, Dr. Sanki and Sanki. So she is also married to Dr. Mikio Sanki. <laughs> and they practice yes. together there here in Los Angeles. So, um do look them up if uh, if uh, you are in the area and you want some magnificent acupuncture or wonderful, wonderful time um, in the Zendo. Because, Kathy, you still teach um, not just every Saturday, but you do also have, do you still have your, um, I think, once a month where for beginners who aren't? Uh, Actually, I'm doing it weekly. Oh, you so, are? Uh, wow, that's Wednesday, wonderful. Wednesday morning, but it's an ungodly hour for most. It's at 4.50, 4.50 a.m. in the morning. So it's 5 a.m. It's we great for Los Angeles. We're missing the traffic. <laughs> You're missing the traffic. Yeah, it's a 5 to 6. Mm-hmm. And I do give instruction. Uh, I don't do a lot of talking, but I give vital instruction for quieting the mind. And then on Saturday, I do have two groups, actually. The one-hour group from 6.50 uh, to excuse me, from 5.50 to 6.50, and then from 6.50 to 9 a.m. So the 6.50 to 9 a.m. is the uh, One Drop Zendo of Los Angeles. The hour prior to it, 
from five to six, essentially. That's essentially the time, mm -hmm. five to six. Um, I give instruction there as well. Mm -hmm. So people can call us. We're at 310-673-8225. And if they phone us, there's a menu, and it will guide them to which uh, mailbox to uh, press and leave messages. Wonderful. Well, Thank that that's wonderful. Um, so that that's true because that number leads to all the different areas. Yeah. Can I also add? Can mm -hmm. I also add that there's no fee for the meditation instruction? Uh, right. I think people assume that there are fees. We do have a small donation box, and people can drop in donations if they wish. All of it goes to the One Drop Zendo um, Association here in LA, and that's that. Those funds are used. Uh, when the Roshi visits us, he'll be here in September and he'll be doing a calligraphy show at LACMA on oh, September 15th. We have a four day uh, sashin here mm. on our premises. Mm. And, and when you say you have a four day sashin, can you explain to everyone how that would work in the means of the flow of that um, in the morning? And then do they go home and then come back? No, we're pretty much sequestered here and um down everyone <laughs> lockdown. it is locked down it is locked down well you know and the reason why it's locked down is uh because unless somebody requires that they go home to sleep you know we can allow that we can allow for that but um the reason for the lockdown is that so that we can stay focused and concentrated mm -hmm. when we get out on the road, in our cars, and we encounter family members and so on outside, it's hard to maintain yes. that moment-by-moment -moment, uh, awareness and training that we're doing here. So the, um, the, the days are very similar to the days that are uh, of a sashin that are done up on Whidbey Island. So it's that schedule. We're up at... Um, here, we're, I'm, I'm a half hour later than what we do at Sogenji, so that's why I say almost like that schedule. Mm -hmm. we're, uh, our wake-up is at 4.20 a.m., and we're on the cushions at 4.50 a.m., mm. and it goes all the way till 9 p.m. Mm. That's a long day. Uh, but there are breaks in between. It's quite doable, uh, but I require, of course, I can't take anybody who's never sat before or knows nothing about Zen. <laughs> there's a certain, there's absolutely. There's no instruction. <laughs> no, no instruction. That's true. There's no instruction here in a session. Everybody ought to know what they're doing now. And um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a challenge uh, for sure for people that are rather new to the practice. But that's why I'm here. I'm based here in L.A. and I'm here to offer that guidance. Mm -hmm. So everyone is welcome to contact me. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, anyone who is interested uh in a four-day sashin contact kathy for sure <laughs> and this is ongoing so just in case if you are listening to this much later you know that you can call that number at any time and uh, get the latest update on what she is doing and you know what is happening at the zendo as well as at uh, her acupuncture side and her book and i just want to also let everyone know that her book which we, you could see that right here. My name is Mahatha. This is available at Shop Yoga Hub. So it's available here. And I do believe that they're signed copies as well. So 
uh, we invite you, if you're interested, um, to uh, take a look at that and enjoy uh, the teachings of uh, Kathy Sankey. So thank you so much, Kathy, for sharing your journey with us today. Thank you so much for uh, having me here. It was a great pleasure. Wonderful. Thanks so much. And I would like to thank everyone for joining us and supporting us here in this new platform of education and information. You know, we are grateful for your continuous support and we look forward to hearing from you. Um, so, to, you know, let us know how we can support you better. If there are certain topics or, or certain people that you would like to hear from, let us know. Right at yogahub.com, you can send us a note um, through our contact form and we will get back to you. And uh, to remind you, join us each week on Tuesdays at 10.30 Pacific Standard Time, 1.30 Eastern Time for our Magical Medical Tour with our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. And that is the time that we take to have conversations with specialists of all areas in the healing arts, from specialists in, you know, for research and doctors, pulmonary and nutrition, um, as well as the healing uh, arts of acupuncture and uh, different forms of medicine. I do believe uh, we have some African healers, etc., that we will also be bringing on the show. And of course, as you know, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time for our Trinity of Life, which is anything and everything that will help inspire each of us to have uh, experience, different experiences in our journeys together and live a better life, creating more peace with each other and for this planet. So we look forward to having you with us next week. And uh, thank you and namaste.